Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Ralph William from the Ralph William Podcast. I want to invite you all to join our Patreon, WESN. Our Patreon is patreon.com forward slash WESN radio. That is our internet radio station that I have up and running. And I want to invite you all to get a little more intimate with yours truly and the OGs at WESN radio. So you're going to get extra content, one extra bonus podcast recording every week and it's not something that you're going to find on other platforms or at the station it is more of a relaxed no holds barred unfiltered version of yours truly and the ogs of wesn radio so we want you to come on over be a patreon help support the station you'll get extra content depending on the tier that you get uh you'll get more bang for your buck so go to patreon.com forward slash wesn radio and be a patron today Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This is yours truly, Ralph William of the Ralph William Podcast, obviously, because you clicked on it and you know who I am. Please follow me on Twitter at the Ralph William. Follow my internet station on Twitter as well, WESN Radio, and download our mobile app on your Google Play Store, W-ESN, the Epic Strategies Network. And you can go to epicstrategiesnetwork.com, or you can ask your Alexa devices to start WESN live to tune in to the station. How are you, everybody? I hope you're doing well. It is this morning that I uh, <clears throat> put out a video for my patrons out there so uh if you haven't checked it out go ahead and do so and you can see the morning routine that i have which is usually almost every day the same uh the routine before i start the podcast and my radio uh station uh work day so go check that out if you're a patreon go check it out if you're not a patreon then i recommend you guys sign up because uh you get some uh, behind the scenes stuff and uh, it helps the station. It helps yours truly. It helps keep me going. And, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Thank you, everybody. And if you have your beverage at the moment, uh, please uh, feel free to join me in a celebratory sip, as I like to do every morning and every episode with you. So if you have your coffee mugs, your travel mugs, your sippy cups, your doggy bowls, if you have a beer hat and you want to drink it like that, hey, Go ahead and do so, and join me in a sip of cafecito. Ooh, damn. I think I put a little bit too much coffee this time. <sighs> you know how you have that uh, ratio of coffee to to water a little bit more towards the coffee? And you get that, like, really bitter nice strong coffee taste yeah that's what i have right now 
So um, luckily for the next batch, I added a little more water. So when I go for my second cup, usually in between the podcast and the radio workday, uh, you know, it's it's just right. But a strong cup of coffee is always a good thing, especially on a Tuesday coming off of a uh, holiday weekend. So get back into it, everybody. Uh, the week may be short, but that doesn't mean that you can't work or, <laughs> or whatever. Uh, I want to say welcoming people in the chat. Uh, Shelby, good morning to you. Mama Bear Tracy, good morning to you. <clears throat> and uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, oh, excuse me, one more, one moment. That is delish. All right, so on to the serious uh, stuff that I usually do. <clears throat> so there is an article that I got uh, talking about, uh, well, it's kind of sort of a theme, right? Uh, the World Health Organization. No, I'm sorry, not the World, the World Econo- Economic Forum. Um, pretty much put out their their information on their website, pretty much uh, telling the world or the the people that are involved in the World Economic Forum that the one biggest priority that everyone should have, meaning uh, the global uh, higher ups, right, is the misinformation campaign, and that's going to be a, a theme. Uh, today misinformation campaign that uh, they want to make sure that everyone involved around the world uh, to attack misinformation so and then I'll give you you know examples a lot of things that I would like to say is you know the there's like a people like to give the example there is a pendulum right that uh at least here in the United States, there's a pendulum that swings back and forth, right, with every election cycle, with every, I don't know, who knows how long, right? Maybe it doesn't have to correlate with elections. Maybe it's just a general, you know, uh, how do you say, like, um, like, like your universe changes, right? Like before, before 2020, you might have had an uptake in, uh, you know, America first, or as some people like to say, MAGA, right? Um, and then, of course, when the Demo- the Democrats took over, um, it seems to swing more towards their way in a more, and some people would like to argue a more of a socialist type of uh, uh, environment, more Marxist type of environment. So that's what I feel it's happening now with um, before it was swinging one way. And now since we are in mid um, mid election season, right? Like we've, we've gone through the midterm elections and now we're getting closer and closer to, you know, the presidential election. I'm talking here in the United States, right? But, the same concept could be used in around the world. The closer we get to that, the the more of the swing it goes towards, you know, the other way, right? That's what people like to say. Good morning, Brina. Thank you very much for joining Brina. Brina, I have seen her in the morning with her coffee. I hope you're doing well. 
So this is what I'm uh, saying. And for those of you that are new and that have that are tuning in, uh, I usually broadcast my live recordings on an app called Podbean. So if you want to come and join us live in the chat, download the Podbean app. That way you can tune in and talk to everybody that joins uh, the show in the chat. And also, uh, if you're lucky, if I'm looking at the chat, <laughs> I will acknowledge you uh, being here. So that's who I'm talking to now. So here's an article that I'm going to play uh, uh, showcasing the World Economic Forum and uh, and their their plea, their plight on uh, attacking misinformation. The World Economic Forum, WEF, has published a report citing as part of its annual meeting, misinformation and disinformation among the top global risks in a report covering the period of the next two years and of the next decade. These days, the poorly if at all defined concepts of misinformation and disinformation are often used by governments and social media they influence simply as a one-size-fits-all excuse to censor information and stifle free speech. But in the narrative pushed by the elites gathered by the WEF, misinformation and disinformation is up there with fears of a world conflict, out-of-control inflation, food security, and other real calamities that could befall the world over the coming years. And now, agree or not with WEF's view of the planet, as laid out in the Global Risks Report 2023, where climate change and action related to that theory plays a very prominent role. Two, what's really interesting is to see what the WEF thinks should be done about whatever it identifies as key issues. The WEF report says that technology will in fact exacerbate inequalities. While the cybersecurity angle remains a big concern, the future, as forecast by the group, sees tech as one of the central targets for state intervention and for what it refers to as stronger industrial policies, never once to shy from buzzwords around in their write-ups. The WEF mentioned things like AI and quantum computing as well as biotechnology as those sectors that are projected to grow because of both state, i.e., military, and private money invested via research and development. The scary dystopian future of actual AI, biotech, and quantum computing gaining prominence and more and more money invested into is described in the report as a partial solution to a range of emerging crises. From addressing new health threats and a crunch in healthcare capacity, to scaling food security and climate mitigation. So, uh, as you can tell in that article, they discussed in the World Econo uh, Economic Forum the use of new technologies like uh, quantum computing, uh, AI, and uh, of course they're going to be implementing all of those, I believe, at least this is my opinion, to battle the problem that they're having with misinformation. Of course they're going to uh, dress it up and say that it is for you know, getting uh, food to people or getting uh, resources to people on a much quicker scale, much scalable scale. But uh, of course, with all great things that people like to dress up as, it's going to be hidden and uh, misused. So <clears throat> that's what I feel is going to be happening in the next uh, couple of years. Of course, as fast as technology has grown, hello, Sam, I am. As fast as technology have grown, like I remember just what 40 years ago, right? We all had rinky dinky uh, telephones, landlines. And in 40 years, we are able to walk around with a computer in our pockets. That's mind blowing. 
in that short of a span, 40 years, in just one life cycle, one, like uh, not even half of, a half a person's life, in my lifetime, I was able to live in a time where you had no phone. You didn't walk around with a, com- with a computer in your hand. And now, you know, it's like you de- you can't do anything without it. And I don't like to, I don't want to beat a dead horse here uh, saying the same thing, but just imagine the next 40 years when they're talking about AI and they're talking about uh, quantum computing and pushing technology to the limit, to the point where you, you can get whatever you can or whatever you need in an, in an instant, right? In, in, in one felt swoop. And the crazy part about it is, is that as fast as you can get it, as it is just as fast as they can take it away. Brina in the chat says, I miss not, whoops, I miss not feeling like I need a phone. Right. Uh, She also says, I like being, oops, I like being off grid. Yes. This is a, a... and it was a simpler time. Now, just to give you a little inside inside baseball, right, of what I went through. I'm not going to tell you exactly, but it, I went for a long period of time without internet. <laughs> long period of time without internet. And in that time, it was a just a significant shift in mindset right i was a little more uh productive in the home well you can consider a different kind of productive right a little more attentive to people around me right a little more aware uh not that you're not aware when you have technology at hand it's just a different kind of awareness it as much as we, as much as I like to say, and a lot of people say, uh, how much individualism, uh, you know, is a big deal. But it's really the technology that is changing individualism to a more collective thinking because you're able to reach farther distances. You're able to reach, um, you're able to speak to someone in, in a different environment than yours, in a different type of uh, area than yours, different kind of reality than yours. So, of course, you're going to change that individualistic mentality into more collective. But in doing so, you know, it, you know, for the lack of a better word, it makes you more lazy <laughs> physically anyway, right? Maybe it's not true for a lot of people. There's a lot of people that can do it. For me personally, it got it made me lazy, but it shifts to a lot of things. I saw a clip uh, earlier this morning of a uh, a TED talk with I I'm not I, it was a snippet, so I don't know who this gentleman was, but he looked like he was in uh, uh I don't know, I don't know if I should say a monk type of outfit or a Tibetan I don't know what's the proper way of saying it, but. Uh, he said the, that, you know, technology, pretty much exactly what I'm saying. Technology has made people uh, less physically active. Before, people didn't have the luxury of being depressed. 
People didn't have the luxury of, uh, you know, not having so many choices of what to do. They had to get up and move, sometimes travel 20, 30 miles, maybe, I don't know how long, to be able to be in an area where they can get food, you know? And of course, people like myself, my age, is going to be spouting this off to the, you know, to the cows come home. And, and I know some, some young bucks out there are just tired of hearing it, but it's the truth. You didn't hear about depression or things like that 60 years ago, right? 50 years ago. I, I also, man, I, I live my, I live my, not my life, but <laughs> clips usually come to me. I was watching a quick snippet of what one person's lifespan was in uh, let's let's say from the night from 1980 back, right? So let's say from uh, 19 from the eight, uh, 1900s, from the 1900s on, people lived through so much hardship. They went through World War One. They went through World War Two. They went through the Vietnam War. They went through the the Great Depression. They went through, you know, missile crisis. They went through, and these was time where there was no internet, where there was actual poverty, right? And yet these people are so hardened from that that they were able to survive and. 1980s you had 80 year old people you know who were able to thrive who was who was who were mentally tough mentally tough to handle it now with all due respect to people who you know on a younger age bracket or whatever there hasn't been any real hard times now there hasn't been any real hard times, right? Like maybe for some individuals, um, they're able to mask it with their children, but there hasn't been anything real. Like they haven't, nothing crazy like that. Maybe it's in a, uh, there hasn't been a draft. How many drafts have there been in the past? Has there been, has there been two drafts for the military? Now that's, that's serious business. Let, I wonder what would happen if there would be a draft right now. I would I would love to see what would be the outcry here in the United States if there were to be a draft. And I don't mean your window draft, you know, I don't mean the draft that I'm having right now sitting in my chair and there's a, the, my window's broken, that cold draft coming in. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a military draft. I wonder, wonder what uh, what would be the outcry for that? How many people would sign up? I mean, I'd be surprised if, to know to know. Sam, I am in the chat says hard times create strong men. Yes, uh, strong times create. Well, I'm sorry, good times create weak men. There might be uh, there might be some truth to that. You know, there might be some truth to that. Unfortunately, we try to 
not not unfortunately because we certain people we do it you know we do it for the best intentions we grow up we live a certain life and we try to give the youth right what we couldn't do what we couldn't have and we give them everything we can get right we work hard to to give them everything that we never did but in doing so it kind of hinders them hello man cave how are you it kind of hinders them because they don't know how to fight for something they don't know how to work hard to get what they want because if they just ask for it they get it or they don't know the struggle of not having something now of course it's it depends on how you do it not everybody's the same but for the overall just for the sake of conversation that's usually how it is now this generation that's had everything given to them or maybe not have worked hard maybe have a different kind of uh suffering let's say it's more of a mental suffering right because you know we are we are i don't want to say conditioned but we are moving towards more of a uh you know mental issues is is very like prominent now like we need to attack that just as hard as if we were attacking you know poverty right it's it's up there so i have yet to see how that translate to the next generation after that right like how how do those individuals um raise the youth right the next generation just to see if that phrase hard times create strong men and uh, good times create weak men and as man cave would say stay strong be a man <laughs> as uh as that whole thing goes but anyway moving on <clears throat> uh hello gazelle gazelle i hope i'm saying that right gazelle anyway thank you very much for joining so moving on my little my little spiel there i hope you guys have your cup of coffee it's going to be a doozy that's good stuff a couple of listeners out there uh hate it when i do that but (laughs) i'm sorry i only have two hands anyway moving on um i came across i looked on twitter this morning just to see what's trending right and i came across uh two cups down sam i am good for you my friend i'm on my first uh i came across twitter just to see what's trending and i saw i think on the number two or number three spot kid rock was trending and i'm like wow kid rock i haven't I haven't checked him out in a minute. What what would be uh, he be trending for? And to my surprise, my my glee, right? Uh, I saw a clip of him with Bill Maher, 
Bill Maher, you know, political commentary or, so, or social commentary, whatever you can. And uh, this was a clip him talking about, um, well, I don't know the context of the whole conversation, but the clip that I have, Bill Maher is telling Kid Rock on how uh, people who, who like Donald Trump or or the way Donald Trump talks, uh, that he is, you know, a wuss bag. And to my surprise, uh, Kid Rock kind of shot back at Bill Maher saying, hey, it's kind of the same way you <laughs> shoot in your mouth. But here's the clip. Here now, we have to talk to each other. We can be friends. Oh. And, and you can know somebody is a Trumper or whatever. I keep saying it. You I've can heard hate, you say it a million you times. You can hate him. You can't hate everybody who likes him. Exactly. Like, I will never understand why you like this whiny little bitch. He's, you know, you're such a real man and he's such a little bitch. He's always But bitch. when you're bashing him, that's what I say. I go, I can't believe I, I'm I watching know, this I, whiny little bitch. That's funny. <laughs> I'm like, I jump through the TV and fucking smack one on Bill Maher, man. Fucking, because you know you get I to know. walk that fine line as a comedian, like John Stewart, and so many people where you get to interject your politics into the comedy, which is you know a very blurred line, which I love, which is fun. I think everybody should be able to do it at any level. Say any fucking word you want. I've heard you say it, and I agree, and I've been saying it for years. Fucking context matters. Here now, we have to talk to each other. We can. We have to talk to each other. Now, I uh, I didn't have time to edit that out, but uh, yeah, I, I guess I had to let that slip. I tried to make a PG, unsuccessful, but it's Kid Rock, so I'm going to let that slide. Yes, yes, Brina, exactly. Whiny little, yes, it's a beautiful thing. But uh, <clears throat> and But he has a good point. Right. A lot of these comedians or just uh, social commentators, they like to throw in their uh, their politics in it, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. That's up to each individual to figure that out. But uh, <laughs> man, Kevin is insulting me in the chat. But uh, in either way, uh, that's just how sometimes that's how culture and politics mix. Now, of course, it doesn't usually mix the right way. But when the strong arm, I don't even know if I want to say it, but the arm of government takes over your social life, right? I don't know if, I don't know if I'm saying that right. When the government takes over <clears throat> your outlets of entertainment, which is, which, I mean, let's be honest here, it's been happening for years. It's not a new thing. It's just... It's just now it's becoming more obvious and they're just blatantly putting it out in your face. But with all these released files from Twitter that are coming out, uh, people are, at least I'm hoping some people or most people are noticing how knee deep that our government is in bed with your social media. And back in the day, it used to be how government was into your uh, your home television. <clears throat> they were able to take apart, because back then there was only like what, five stations, six stations or something all, all around the country? 
right? So of course they had control. There wasn't that much. There wasn't that much to, uh, you know, to hide. I mean, there wasn't that much to cover, right? There was a time where all news stopped at like three in the morning, and then your stations would shut down. But now a 24-hour news cycle, bro, there's something happening all of the time. So social media has become a big thing because it just expanded your 24-hour news feed. <clears throat> so, of course, Big Brother or government, however you want to say it, they want to have control of that because, God forbid, uh, anybody can give either their own narrative on what's or what people should pay attention to compared to what the government wants you to pay attention to right we we talk about how controlling uh china is with their population you can barely find any program or you can barely see any news feeds from china here i'm assuming unless you have one of those uh uh you know breaking satellite uh, dishes or whatever. I don't know. I don't know how that works. But uh, <clears throat> they keep a tight-knit ship over there in terms of their population. They make sure nothing gets leaked out. So, of course, they're going to adopt that same style here. So, let me continue on. Let me see which clip is this. The last one. Okay, this is... Let me get... Let me skip that and go to this one. This. Do you just, just want... Nope, that's not it. Where's the clip that I was talking about? Oh, here we go. It's becoming increasingly hard to keep track of all the folders and investigations unfolding in Congress. When Republicans took over the House, some inquiries, like the committee that looked into the January 6th attacks, went away. But new committees, like the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government, have formed in their place. Indeed, many folders and investigations are only just beginning to be opened in Washington. They range from inquiries into President Biden and his family's business dealings, including his use of classified documents. There are inquiries into the spike in migrants at the southern border, the withdrawal from Afghanistan, and political bias at the Department of Justice. Another folder on social media companies and their influence has been created too. These investigations are going to be some of the most newsworthy and noteworthy events to come out of Washington and the United States Congress over the next two years. With Republicans controlling the House and Democrats controlling the Senate, it's easier to launch an investigation and issue a subpoena that it will be to pass major legislation. So which one should you pay attention to? While it may be easy to dismiss many of these investigations as being too political, new information can emerge from any one of them since Congress has the power to subpoena and lying can result in jail time. This folder, though, is one you may want to watch. The investigation into social media companies. Democrats and Republicans for years have been trying to better understand what makes it onto someone's news feed. Republicans have already written to former executives at Twitter looking into what whether some stories involving President Biden's son, Hunter, were censored. Democrats, meanwhile, are interested in why hate speech can so easily spread online. One social media site, TikTok, is facing even more scrutiny, with Democrats and Republicans worried it's too closely connected to the Chinese government. Several states have already banned state employees from using it on certain devices, and Congress is mulling even more restrictions. Of course, all of these folders are merely investigations being led by Congress. The Attorney General is leading other, less public inquiries, too. Chief among 
among them are the special counsel investigations into President Biden as well as former President Trump. Those investigations could be completed by the end of this year. Joe St. George, Scripps News, Washington. So as you can tell, uh, just letting you know, with a new committee supposedly coming out and saying uh, they're going to be looking into the current president, uh, a lot of people are saying that don't be too crazy for anything to happen. Uh, so I got this clip from um, Steve Bannon. I forgot. I didn't load it up. Uh, give me a moment. But he pretty much uh, had, uh, he had um, Cash Patel. Cash Patel on his, uh, on his panel. And Cash Patel pretty much said that uh, they're going to be trying to go after Joe Biden, but not, not in the way that you think. They're going to try and go after Joe Biden to get rid of him so that they can add another democratic leader. So this is this is the pendulum that I'm talking about swinging, you know, that I spoke about in the beginning. Let me see if this is the clip. And you have the trifecta. This is the clip from uh this is Cash Patel on Steve Bannon's show talking about their plan for Joe Biden. And you have the trifecta that is Joe and Mika, Watermelon Head and Warnock come out um, and basically <laughs> talk about classified information as if we, the Republicans, were all of a sudden not talking about classified information. That might be the biggest takeaway for me from that piece. All, at what point, Steve, has your show not talked about the Mar-a-Lago raid and the importance of classified documents? We've said that from day one. Right. We've talked about the law and educated the American public on the law. And my, what I picked up over the weekend was the focus here, and this is for your audience, focus, 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 not on Joe Biden. He's not the target for us. The target for us is the administrative state and the highlighting of the two-tier system of justice, especially when you have the Democratic media come out and basically attempt to defend Joe Biden. But what they're doing in reality is setting the roadwork and the framework to have Joe Biden taken out so they can have another Democratic presidential candidate run in his, run in his place. And we got to be careful about overreaching. Right now, we have, we have the facts and the law on our side. We just have to not politicize it um, by making Joe Biden the target. The target is and has always been taking out the deep state. So that is uh, Cash Patel's interpretation of what's happening. Now, of course, there's a committee, like I said, they're going to be going through all the paperwork and, and and documents that were found in uh, Joe Biden's possession, kind of like what happened with uh, former President Trump. So, and just like you said, there are exposing a lot of, what a lot of us said from a long time ago is that in at least the law in the land, there's always a two-part system when it comes to the law one that applies to every one of us right and a different one that applies to those in power and how those in power will use the law to attack other people in power so just to have control right that's usually how it is 
So the one thing that I I that I take away from that is that in while exposing all of this, let's say the Twitter files that goes out, you have people, uh, regular Americans, you know, just finding this stuff out. They're finding this stuff out, and but of course they were the ones who alienated everyone else that was spouting this out two years ago, you know, and to the point where they welcome censorship. It's kind of like brainwashing in a way, but here is a clip and this is just, just for context sake uh, of uh, how do you, what's her, how do you say her uh, white house press secretary, Jean-Pierre. And how she reacted to a reporter, good job reporter, for bringing it out and pretty much stating, like, hey, what do you, why didn't you say, why were you keeping this away from the American people? Which is what I believe should shock anybody because who wouldn't want to know, you know, the double standard in our, in our government? Let me see if I have that clip. It's becoming increasingly nope. hard. That's the one. Just, you, just, just one more. Do you acknowledge that the fact that the White House did not reveal this to the public, despite the fact that you've known about it for months, undercuts the president's promise of being transparent with the American but, we, but here's the thing. They were transparent. There, the was, there, there was transparency in doing what you're supposed to do when these, when these items were discovered. But not with the American people. Look, we, I am here standing in front of you answering these questions, right? The president took two questions this week on this. You've heard, wait, let me just answer. You've heard from the White House counsel who put out multiple statements on this. And so, again, this is an ongoing process. Uh, we want to respect the process, uh, and we have laid out very clearly what occurred. Uh, and uh, again, don't want to get ahead of this. The Department of Justice, you you all can uh, will will get your your questions answered uh, from them during uh, during this uh, during this time. And so I would just refer you to the Department of Justice. And now, as you all know, there's a special counsel. Just, just one more. Yeah, yeah. That's it's really rough because. <clears throat> It just shows that, just like they said, the president made it his his campaign to say, "Oh, I'm, we're going to try and be as transparent as possible to the American people." But yet, uh, there's so much censorship happening on social media, and probably probably still continuing, uh, despite what the they might say, you know, with uh, Elon Musk taking over Twitter. But it's not even just Twitter. I'm sure people still get banned for saying something uh, wrong on YouTube, right? Or Twitch. I'm not sure how Twitch is. Speaking of Twitch, uh, follow me on Twitch at the uh, the Ralph William Podcast on Twitch. Sometimes I go live there. But uh, I think to that right now is a good good time to take a little little break. Thank you, everybody. You're listening to Coffee with RW. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Ralph William from the Ralph William Podcast. I want to invite you all to join our Patreon, WESN. Our Patreon is patreon.com forward slash WESN radio. That is our internet radio station that I have up and running. And I want to invite you all to get a little more intimate with yours truly 
and the OGs at WESN Radio. So you're going to get extra content, one extra bonus podcast recording every week. And it's not something that you're going to find on other platforms or at the station. It is more of a relaxed, no-holds-barred, unfiltered version of yours truly and the OGs of WESN Radio. So we want you to come on over, be a Patreon, help support the station. You'll get extra content. Depending on the tier that you get, uh, you'll get more bang for your buck. So go to patreon.com forward slash WESN Radio and be a patron today. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? I just made a fresh pot of coffee. Does anybody want coffee? Coffee with R.W. Oh, yes. I need some coffee. Oh. Definitely, definitely need some coffee. I hope everyone is doing well out there. Enjoy your morning uh, and uh, make sure to follow me on Twitter at the <laughs> at Ralph William on Twitter and uh, send me all your hate. Send me all your hate and love because I know there's a lot of it out there. <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, speaking of Patreon, I released uh, a video on Patreon for those patrons out there. Uh, you get to see a little morning routine, a little quick little morning routine on uh, how I get the day started. So. Moving on. Oh, <clears throat> let me see. Mr. Ray says, did Ralph just say, oh, geez. <laughs> did Ralph just say he wants to get intimate with all of us? Weird, LOL. Mr. Ray, in the words of Danny DeVito in, uh, in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, I don't have that much time to live, so I want to get real weird with it. <laughs> so let's get weird together, buddy. Let's get weird together. All right, moving on. So I forgot my place. Oh, so just a side note that I wanted to, uh, in in going along with uh, socialist Marxist uh, uh, ideology, I came across this clip from Dinesh D'Souza, who he had his wife on, who is Venezuelan. And uh, she had uh, a comment, or she has wanted to discuss something uh, that happened, I believe it happened over the weekend, where, uh, you know, Venezuelan President Maduro met with, uh, I believe, a congressman here in the United States? Maybe, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. And of course, their concerns with spreading of uh, Marxist ideology all around through the West. So here's that clip. Nicolas Maduro, the dictator of Venezuela, and one John Kerry. You were, well, hopping mad about it, and rightly so. Yeah. And so, and the reason I even knew about it is my cousin from Venezuela. Uh, sent me a video. He goes, can you believe this madness? You know, he was super mad about this. 
And of course, you know, on social media, there are a lot of people that are saying, wait a minute, wasn't Nicolas Maduro, what wasn't he, ha didn't he have a $15 million bounty um, because he's a narco terrorist? And, and so the State Department had a bounty on him. Um, and here we are, you know, seeing John Kerry at the Egyptian summit, the climate change summit in, in Egypt, um, shaking hands with him. What, what's up with that? And so everybody assumes that it's because Joe Biden and, and Kerry um, love pow, you know, uh, what is it called? Bowling around. Bowling around with terrorists. But, you know, it goes much deeper than that. And you had... Um, uh, someone the other day, Frank, uh, Gaffney. Frank Gaffney the other day, yeah. talking about the access of evil in the in on our Western Hemisphere and about how these are Marxists and they're taking they're taking the Western Hemisphere in a Marxist direction, and so so my concern is not so much the narco terrorism although it's horrible, but it's it's the fact that the reason John Kerry and Joe Biden like Maduro is not so much anything other than the fact that they're on the same ideological spectrum. Yeah, this is a really important point right? because I think there might be people naively who look at this and go, okay, we know what's going on. Number one, uh, John Kerry is very concerned about climate change and Maduro is making the same noises. So there's a climate change sort of solidarity between them. Or alternatively, Joe Biden needs to try to bring down gas prices to reduce his unpopularity. He needs to get some oil out of Venezuela. So this is an opportunistic move. But you're saying, no, there's a deep ideological alliance here. Not mm -hmm. that they're ideologically the same, but uh, they're similar they're and very, they're working in concert. They're very similar. I mean, and, the, the, and who's the they? Let's go through okay. the Okay, because so, it isn't just those two guys. No, so it's Lula, okay, Lula in Brazil, Brazil, and of course Maduro, and he's just following Hugo Chavez's footsteps, right, Mr. 21st Century Socialism. Um, and then, of course, it's uh, the United States, the you know the Democrats, which a lot of Venezuelans don't still don't understand the similarities. Of, of, of the party, of the Democrat Party and the Venezuelan Socialist Party. So uh, so the alliance is definitely there. And uh, probably, let's see, who well, else? continue. You have Chile. Chile, right. You have, uh, well, you have Mexico. Mexico uh, Lopez Obrador is, uh, is a socialist. Peru. Peru, yes. In some ways, I think you couldn't even include Justin Trudeau. Because, oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, oh, for sure. For sure, right? Yes, uh, yes. Did you know that recently uh, Biden, Trudeau, and Obrador got together for one of those joint diversity inclusion statements, yes, yes. basically committing all three governments to promoting uh, ethnic and cultural and well, gender, and I mean, perhaps look transgender. At, look at who started this whole ethnic thing. Uh, Hugo Chavez did. And, uh, you know, just demonizing the white people in Venezuela. And, and this is a trend. So people think that that, uh, you know, in Venezuela, oh, no, 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 that's a different kind of socialism. Well, okay, maybe it's a different kind of socialism in that it involves a lot of narco, you know, terrorist, terroristic threads in there, where we, whereas we don't. But the ideology is exactly the same. They still divide people based on socioeconomic status. They still divide people based on race and ethnicity. So uh, the division of people, making people 
hate each other is is something that is definitely going on. And I think even on the narco-terrorist side, it's not as if the Biden administration is promoting narco-terrorism, but they are in bed with the cartels on the border they're issue. In, so they are right. they are complicit with narco-terrorism because they recognize it's a predictable predictable consequence of policies they actively support. Right. So, I mean, uh, is there anything tell, telling us otherwise, right? So from what I can tell, there's been a great uptake in uh, obviously uh, human trafficking, drug trafficking, right? Pretty much letting it happen uh, with uh, so many people coming on over. Come on over. The water's fine. But uh, now believe me, this is not me saying they shouldn't be here. Uh, this is not me saying like, hey, but there has to be a, uh, how do you say, you have to vet them, uh, you know, well. You can't just have anybody coming on over. You don't, you're not going to have just anybody coming over your house, right, without you having some uh, conversations. Are you a psycho? You know what I'm saying? Are you, are you the type of person that beats dogs? Like, you know? Are you the type of person that eats dogs? I mean, you never know. You gotta, you gotta really vet people and and see if if you're comfortable having them in your space, in your personal space, right? I know a lot of people that uh, still go to the office, right? And you just have that one coworker that, hey man, uh, how about we all get together? You know, you know your place or our place or whatever you know, on a weekend or weekday and just, uh, just hang out, man. I'm like, you're like, uh, man, really don't want to, don't really want to hang out with you. Uh, you know, well, it depends. Maybe you do want to, but <clears throat> not, a, not a lot of people do. I sure as hell don't. Uh, I did a couple of times and, and only after I vetted certain people, right? Because you never know who you chill with or who comes over to your house anyway. You come on over, they drink all your alcohol. Who wants that? They drink all your coffee? Come on, bro. No, that's a violation. That is a violation. So, speaking of violation, um, there is a, uh, there's a, now, I'm not here to tell you what's right or what's wrong. That's not my job uh, because I'm human and I don't know all the details. I don't have enough time or the manpower to figure that out. <clears throat> so I did come across this article talking about, um, if I if I understand it correctly, legislature that that is supposed to go after if I get it, if I understand it right, go after people that are uh, pushing or uh, I'm I'm still a little unclear on pushing or denying um, replacement theory. Now I I, I try to <clears throat> like I asked Siri just before I went on the air like what is replacement theory, um, and I'm still a little <clears throat> still a little off on what it is. From my understand, if if I think I understand what it is, is um, 
a cons- well she said it's a conspiracy theory um that nas- white nationalists uh say that in bringing in so many different uh ethnicities that it is shrinking the population of white people right you know i can't say it any better <clears throat> of white people and in using that kind of language uh your subject that is sub, uh that is considered hate speech and you should be uh you know you should be locked up for that or 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 subject to penalties for it <clears throat> so let me see if i can get that clip uh out there for you now for the record i'm gonna let everybody know there's just there's two there's two subject matters that i try and stay away from that i don't want to talk about so i'm gonna still stick with it this is just me putting it out there to let you know what you to just to see what you guys think please feel free to send me a messages on my social medias to you know school me on something if i need schooling um Obviously, one is race, right? I don't, I don't want to mess with race. Two is religion, but I do make it clear that I do believe in Jesus Christ. That's just me, but I'm not here to tell you what you need to think or believe what I believe. But that's that's what I believe. That's where I'm coming from. So now that that's clear, that does not hinder me listening to you about your religion i'm not going to stop you from doing that that's what you want to do half at it you know that is all good with me but i'm not in the i'm not in a in the censorship uh role uh as long as you are professional (laughs) with what whatever you're saying and on that note this is this is what uh at least siri's definition of what replacement theory is here's an answer from dictionary.com replacement theory definition a demographic conspiracy theory popular among white nationalists in the united states and europe that speculates that falling birth rates among white native-born christians together with a growing population of non-white non-christian immigrants whose arrival is believed to be encouraged or orchestrated by globalist elites with the goal of undermining national identities wool if unchecked result in the decline of white European culture or its dominance. Okay. So I think I, if I think I said it right, right. I think that's what that means that, uh, it's a conspiracy theory saying that, uh, the white, uh, race is going to be decreased because of all the influx of people from different cultures. And Sam, I am put something in the chat. Oh, good Lord. Uh, I'll just let you, uh, I'm not going to read that. Not because, not because that's, uh, you know, not because it's wrong or whatever, but it's just, nobody wants to hear me read right now. Uh, but here's the article that talks about the, the legislation, uh, considering the uh, replacement theory as hate speech. Oh boy. 
Democrats in Congress are trying to pass a bill that would expand the definition of hate crime to include discussion of replacement theory. Yes, really, the legislation, which is sponsored by Rep. Sheila Jackson Lee, D. Texas, would criminalize speech that is found to have inspired a racially motivated crime. The draconian law would effectively make an individual responsible for someone else's crime if prosecutors were able to successfully argue that their political rhetoric was a motivating factor. The Leading Against White Supremacy Act of 2023 includes a conspiracy charge that someone would be guilty of if they were found to have published material advancing white supremacy, white supremacist ideology, antagonism based on replacement theory, or hate speech that vilifies or is otherwise directed against any non-white person or group on social media. If such content is read, heard, or viewed by a person who engaged in the planning, development, preparation or perpetration of a white supremacy-inspired hate crime, even if misinterpreted, the creator of such content is guilty of conspiracy. The creator is also guilty if someone predisposed to engaging in any action in furtherance of a white supremacy happens to stumble across it. Critics pointed out that vilifying someone can include language that is merely harshly critical and not racist or false, while passing a new hate speech law that only targets white people is itself racist. The replacement theory language is incredibly ironic given that Democrats routinely discuss replacement theory, the idea that whites in the U.S. are deliberately being replaced by non-white immigrants, in the context of it being a good thing. However, when people on the right discuss the same issue only from a negative perspective, replacement theory suddenly becomes a dangerous conspiracy theory. Indeed, last year, President Joe Biden urged Americans to reject the same demographic replacement theory that he once cited as a source of our strength. I believe anybody who echoes a replacement name is to blame, not for this particular crime, but it's, it's for no purpose, no purpose, except profit and or political benefit. And it's wrong. It's just simply wrong. What more can you do on During a White House summit in early 2015, Biden said America being flooded with an unrelenting wave of immigrants was a good thing that Americans should be proud of. It's not going to stop, Biden said, nor should we want it to stop. As a matter of fact, one of the things I think we can be most proud of. Not only our Muslim communities, but African communities, Asian communities, Hispanic communities, and, and the wave still continues. It's not going to stop, nor should we want it to stop. As a matter of fact, uh, um, it's one of the things I think we can be most proud of. So, uh, so there's a second thing in that black box, an unrelenting stream of immigration, nonstop, nonstop. Folks like me who were Caucasian of European descent for the first time in 2017 will be in an absolute minority in the United States of America, absolute minority fewer than 50% of the people in America from then and on will be white European stock. That's not a bad thing. That's a, that's a source of our strength. An unrelenting stream of immigration, nonstop, nonstop. Folks like me who are Caucasian, of European descent, for the first time in 2017, sick will be an absolute minority in the United States of America. Absolute minority, Biden continued. Fewer than 50% of the people in America from then and on will be white European stock. That's not a bad thing. 
That's a source of our strength. Biden also promoted replacement theory during a Zoom call with black civil rights leaders in December 2020. I want to start by thanking you all for your leadership and support. You've rallied support against uh, some of Trump's most dangerous actions. His failure to contain the pandemic and the mass casualty event has caused in the black community. His embrace of white supremacy has been just straight out and continues. His attack on the ACA, which affects so many African-Americans, his, uh, his incitement of violence against peaceful social justice protesters, removing diversity and inclusion awareness policies across the federal government, and you've successfully litigated voting rights cases while uh, the right to vote has been under more severe attack than any time since I was a kid. And you've helped ensure that Americans across the country uh, complete the census and are counted, which is a big deal and an awful lot more. We have an enormous amount of work to do, not just to reverse Trump's actions, but to repair the damage that of four years of his policies. They've exacerbated worse than every, from housing to education to the economy to being able to build back better. And I've made advancing racial equality priority throughout the campaign in our transition team, and I'm gonna make it a priority in our administration. And I know you all have well, you, you just know you can have partners, two partners in the White House. And you have responsibility, I think, uh, that uh, in addition to that, to push as hard as you can for the nominees we come forward that I think you're going to like. Understand that, and, uh, and I support all you've been pushing me to do as well. You're going to do your jobs, I know, and I'm going to do mine. And together, I think we're going to see progress happen. I understand have a few policy and personnel proposals you want to discuss today. I welcome the input in the council. And uh, here is what my transition team is doing to ensure that tracking racial inequity is part of every piece of work from policy to agency route to personnel to appointments to technology and to delivery. Uh, we've asked our agency review teams to look at opportunities to advance racial equity in the federal agencies. I just announced, by the way, the COVID team, and we have one whole, uh, we've set up a new department that requires it to look at racial equity in the way in which the COVID vaccine is in fact distributed. It's an important piece. It's across every aspect of our administration. And I view this as an essential part of taking responsibility for greater equity across the government. And we're talking on, uh, President-elect Biden's call with civil rights leaders. Share more videos. So one thing that I do want to acknowledge is, well, two things. And I'm, and you guys can double check, but I remember a while ago when I did, when I looked up stats on, uh, you know, Planned Parenthood. I don't know if this, I don't know if I should even say this, but, uh, a lot of Planned Parenthood locations are put in a lot of uh, uh, city areas, right? And uh, the stats is that there's a lot more abortion with uh, in, within the African American community, and also the the vaccines were heavily pushed in a lot of those cities as well, and of course with the stats coming out, it seems that 
they're doing a lot of harm than good. Now, I don't see a lot of equity in that. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm overseeing it too much, but I don't see a lot of equity in that, especially when uh, people are getting hurt, especially more in, in, in city areas, right? So I usually have to look at people's actions, not what they say, right? They can spot out all they want that they're trying to be more equitable and uh, – and all that, but evidence shows that they're doing the exact opposite. So take it as you wish. Yes, yep, actions over words, exactly, says Brina in the chat. Because uh, people can spot out all the good stuff that you like to hear, right? But when when push comes to shove, when it when it's time to produce, uh, they don't do it. Kind of like in um, going back to the Marxist thing uh, in Cuba, right? They spot off uh, being equitable, right? Cuban pride that uh, they take care of their people, but they really don't. At least in Cuba, the government there takes control of any resources that is given to them, to the government, rather. And uh, it is not distributed to the Cuban people. People can say, oh, it's the embargo that has uh, the Cuban uh, people uh, in poverty and, and dying and in, with uh, no uh, medical attention. But it's really the ideology that their government pushes. So you can spout all you want about racial, economic equality and and uh, tax the rich and whatever, but I don't see it in practice. Does, Brina, uh, last I checked, uh, did you get several checks from... Uh, from rich uh, corporations, hmm? did your did your job just say, "Hey, you know what? You 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 have you're under a social you're under a social uh, economic status. Here's an extra check just to get you up and up and running. You know, keep it going, right? No. Did, did... <sighs> anyway, you see my point. Now, of course, you can you can debate all you want about social services, and uh, EBT and all that stuff, and and child um, child uh, tax credit, right? But what about the individual, the homeless that are in the streets? Hmm? What about people that were? I think now they're probably evicted from their homes because of uh, the whole issue with the pandemic. I, I wonder if people like forgot about that. Did people forget about that? Like that whole thing with um, uh, landlords wanting to kick uh, tenants out because they can't afford, you know, to stay there because they got fired from their jobs because the government shut down uh, businesses. Whatever happened to that? Hmm. Huh. I don't know. 
I don't know. Actions speak louder than words, people. That's all I say. Actions speak louder than words. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We greatly appreciate you and your time. Remember, stay humble, stay hungry, and you'll always be blessed. At home, cafe, A second night to the bad guy. Come on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again.